And here we are with Exalted, another off-topic. The topic of today is Fan Exalts and what the community has made from 1, 2, and 3rd edition. I am Devin, and with me today online, we have... Uh, Sam. As you all know, listeners, Sam is a player from our Congenials Exalted game. Uh, and we are online today doing this little off-topic. So, Sam... Yes. Fan exalt splats. They yes. seem to be fairly numerous. They basically started showing up right after the game started happening. Not a lot of them made it into the public subconscious, though. No. Uh, I know. No. If, I know. I, I, before we even started this project, I only knew like two off the top of my hand. Uh, we'll be getting into them. Um, how do you? Uh, I don't know where to start with this, but it's, I think just talking about fan exalt types in general is the best way to go about it. Like. All right. Uh, well, I think we might want to address the fact that we could only find two, kind of three, uh, to uh, talk about today because of some issues, just because it's been so long. And I actually didn't come into Exalted until late second edition, so any of the first edition stuff was a bit uh, before me. Yeah, I didn't find anything that survived from first edition. I just heard bits and pieces from forums. I played in first, I just... Was I never cared enough, uh, mostly because new exalt types were being introduced in first edition, and that just didn't happen in second till the very end. Yeah. So there wasn't really an outcry for it, because in first you had solars, then dragon-blooded, then lunars, then sidereals, then abyssals showed up, and you're like, what? Evil solars? And then they did alchemicals. Yes, and I believe, if I remember correctly, that the uh, infernals almost became a fan exalt, and then they kind of... Uh, people saw the potential that it was there and then just kind of started clamoring and started to almost make it on their own. And then second edition came out and was, they were canonized a lot later. Yeah. Like I'm certain that there were rules for making Akuma into their own exalt or whatever. Yeah. The but, Akuma exalted. Yeah. But fan exalts uh, basically pop up because people see holes or people see, uh, thematic packages that aren't being covered by the core exalt types and decide that they want to, you know, take a crack at making their own, you know. Charm design is fun once you kind of get yeah. the swing of it. Uh, make Linking things in lore together, kind of making your own niche is an interesting thing. Or they serve a purpose of fixing things that are broken, like one of the ones we'll talk about, TAW, Terrifying Ardent Witches, which are a yes. fix for Lunars, because as we discussed in the Lunars episode, Lunars are fucked. <laughs> A little bit, yes. That's to put it mildly. Um, I, I do want to bring up the question of why there are not more and why, as it's, I, I have been working on my own fan exalted, which has not been going particularly well. But I thought I could talk about what some of the problems that I've run into, especially with second edition, about and why I'm so excited about third edition. Uh, I know that we particularly aren't a fan of third edition, but it does a lot of things better, especially for the uh, the uh, the hooks and the availability for fan exalts. I wish a third edition did better, just so I could use the term third times a uh, charm. Uh, like, like there's so terrible. many there's so many layers to it, but uh, better luck next time is the term I use. <laughs> All right. So second edition was a bit rough because of basically uh, what <clears throat> second edition had problems with in other areas is that everything was codified 
everything was defined. Everything was overexplained. Yes. So they're just, even if you had a fantastic idea, trying to fit in a new exalt type was either a logistical nightmare or a, uh, or you had to ignore certain things. Like they, the second edition told you exactly how many exalts were made and exactly the method in which they were made. And they had to be made by Autocathon in the primordial war or in his body later for alchemicals. Oh, he made alchemicals first. So that even, yeah, it had to be made for the war and shit. Yeah, it had to be made for the world, or it had to serve a purpose in the war, and then became its own thing later on, and it just became kind of a nightmare. So, if you had any exalt or anything, you had to have an entire history for them, too. They couldn't just pop up out of nowhere. They either had to be a corrupted lunar, or corrupted whatever, if you wanted to be new. It there's just no room for any new development mm. and exigence. Oh my goodness. We'll get to exigence because second yeah, edition we'll had its own thing. Uh, yes. What second edition did near the end of the line after people were just, you know, had all these exiles to play around with was they introduced the idea of devil tigers, uh, which was infernals being able to digivolve into their own primordials. And they actually right. gave like, kind of guidelines on how to make your own charms, your own exalt type, how to change stuff, but it kind of gave this almost permission to start making your own homebrew, because Infernals right. require heavy homebrewing to be a devil tiger, and I right. think around the time that popped up is when a lot of these rebuilds started to show up. Well, um, I, I suspect it's also because it was near the end of the line, and people wanted to renew things and make things their own, too. Probably. Uh, but what they also did was, because Infernals existed and Devil Tigers basically pushed everything to this transhuman aspect and gave uh, Infernals a very clearly defined uh, weird hat to wear, uh, right. people started pulling new ideas out. Infernals, as a testament to them, actually really did reinvigorate a lot of ideas in Exalted 2nd Edition. It brought a really fresh change of pace to the game and brought new blood in. People really liked it and really got inspired by the weird stuff it done, because up to that point, 2nd Edition was spending all of its time standing on the shoulders of giants and retreading literally everything from 1st Edition. If you're right. reading a 2nd Edition book, odds are you are reading direct copy-pasted material from the 1st Edition source that's just had more fluff added to it and resold to you. So Infernals mm -hmm. being whole cloth changed everything. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, uh, what the new editions kind of codified things too much. Yeah. They, they took out the mystery of a lot of things. Yeah, would, basically second edition is the big mistake that first and third is trying to fix, because third went back to first edition terms, and a bunch of first edition lore is still canon, and like their entire books are still canon for third. So right. in the future, people are going to be like, yeah... Second edition was a mistake. Yeah. But it's still fun though. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll not we'll not get into that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's when you saw a most of these fan spots actually just come from second edition straight up because that's where a lot of the the creativity kind of bubbled through. Like terrifying ardent witches fundamentally yes. changed how lunars work and fundamentally changed their theme set to make them make sense and to make them, you know, usable, different, different uh, unique. Yes, I suppose the anybody who's been around the Exalted Forms will hear the term Silver Solar. Yeah. Because Lunars were one of the first books, and they still haven't quite found their feet yet. Ten it's years usually... later, they still haven't with Lunars. Well, yeah. yeah. But Sol eh. Lunars just kind of turned out to be 
a, a reskin solar it just worse uh, yeah because, significantly weaker reskin of the solars because you can't be stronger than solars because that's not allowed and i thank god they got rid of that terminology fuck hopefully yeah, yeah, so we had a lot of these fan splats rolling around, and the big thing was because 2nd Edition did such a poor job of over-explaining everything, uh, it was a real trial to fit these exalt types in anywhere. Like, they always had to have a niche, or they had to have, like, a like a patron that wasn't around, because why wasn't that patron in any of the other lore? And just right. ridiculous stuff. Or they were all, or there was a lot of them that were um, uh, candy bags, so... You know, because Infernals and Autochthonia and Lunars existed, people were like, it's like a Lunar if a Lunar was turned into an Abyssal Exalt. It's like a yeah. Lunar if they were turned into an Infernal. It's like a Sidereal if they were made for Autochthonia. Like, a lot of palette swapping went on where people tried to just make new Exalts off of uh, blending up two of the other ones and getting, like, a mixed bag of colors and candies and charms. And it usually fell through. Oh, yeah. Like, we had a list of, like, 30 uh, fan yeah. Exalt types, and all of them... The, the Basically, bulk never them, got off the uh, idea stage. Yeah, the, the bulk of them was... were, you know, Autochthonian Dragon Blooded, Infernal Dragon Blooded, Abyssal Dragon Blooded. It's like, okay, yes. Infernal Lunars. That was a popular one. Yeah, you know, Alex Mercer from Prototype, that's also kind of a lunar because shapeshifting includes every single literal thing you could think of for shapeshifting. <laughs> and, you can, and if you have shapeshifting, you have to be a lunar in some way. And it's like, oh, fuck, guys. Oh, and, and since. And since everything was so defined, you could not tread on other people's toes at all. Yeah. There was no overlap. If yeah. you dared to do that, the forums would chew you alive. Yeah, well, that's the exalted mm. forms for you. Well, that's oh, that's also a dis- different discussion. <laughs> yeah. So third edition rolled around, and the first thing they did was like, "Hey, all of this overwritten bullshit's gone. Basically, just think of it as third edition, and everything's undefined. Yeah. Uh, there is no exact number of lunars or solars anymore. There's none of this, none of that. And there's a bunch of new exalt types. And people were like, "Why are there new exalt types?" And it's like, "Cause we haven't had fucking new exalt types since Infernals. So fuck off." And they introduced three out the bat. Uh, Liminals, which are kind of like Dragonblooded in that there's a numerous amount of them and they're lower to the, um, they're, they're basically terrestrial exalts. Like they're not, they're they're specifically not celestial. So Liminals can interact with all the parts of creation that Dragonblooded can, can interact with the realm and can do their own thing and you can just play them. And, you know, if you're having a solar game, instead of just playing a Dragonblooded, you could just play a Liminal. Then they introduced Katimians, which in previous off-topics we've talked about how they complement the Sidereal style because you just can't get into heaven unless you're Sidereal or, as everyone immediately says, an Eclipse Solar. Right. And uh, the Katimians are my favorite, as you can tell by my by the Magister. <laughs> hey, they're an interesting idea. Yeah. I can't wait to see what it actually all is, seeing as yeah, we're just kind of running with it. Guessing. And the third and most important aspect they brought to Exalted 3rd Edition is exigence. Ah, the concept of single-use exalts, which immediately invalidated like 90% of the, probably 99% of the stuff from that big list of 30 or 40 we had, and probably most of the ones we're going to talk about today. Because exigence are, you have a god, and there's like millions of different types of gods exalted. The oh, ghost yes. of the sun asks for a hand job. And gets their own single-serving exalt. All right, let me let, let me start with that, which is my big, my only complaint about exigence. Why do we have to have the sun involved with exigence? 
because that way you don't have an unlimited supply of exigence and they outnumber the setting with people just making up, you know. Okay, think of it this way. You, you've, you've been on like purely role-playing like servers for like, I don't know, WoW or something, right? Or like role-play forums, right? Kind no. Oh, okay. Uh, all right, well, let me put it this way. I have, and I've known people that have have. Think of the stupidest laziest circumstance for someone having infinite power in a Mary Sue story. Oh, well, okay. So you're just, I would argue against that. <laughs> uh, that's the go-to argument against having uh, exigence that, and, and why people just like them. It's just that, oh, you'll make your own exalts. Yeah, that's kind of the point. <laughs> right, but having the sun there thematically as kind of the mediator for this, you know, Fire Prometheus one has a nice theatic, thea thematic connection to the story of Prometheus and Fire to Humanity and all that nonsense. That Well, I, I do agree with that, but what I hate is that the sun has to approve of the ex exigence. I would love it if you just say, hey, exigence don't happen a lot because it's basically a god cutting off an arm, reanimating that arm and saying, hey giving it free will, but I, I, I get the idea for restricting it, but what I hate is that it brings the son himself into it. The son is supposed to be gone. He's supposed to not be involved. He's not supposed to be the gatekeeper. It's fun because we actually had this discussion in the store, in the off topic about solars and the unconquered sun. And I was on the same, uh, some, I was on the same side of that. I'm like, the sun does not interact with the setting. Leave him the fuck alone. Yeah. But for exigence, I think it's a perfect role because it, it, it refreshes him. It it brings something new to his character where when I was talking about like the most you know lazy Mary Sue reasons for having power, think of it this way. Now, it doesn't restrict it. it. It validates it. Now, whenever anyone plays an exigent, and it doesn't matter what exigent they play, you know, investigatory god who was a murder spirit, uh, you know, some sort of Thor or a guy with a Power Ranger morpher or someone who hereditary passes down their lineage. No matter what exigent they're playing, if someone's like that is, you know, if someone's rankling at it, it's like, well, it doesn't fucking matter what you think. The god of this exigence went to the sun and the sun said, yes, okay, have it. And then that character was made. So if you don't think they're a quote-unquote real exalt, like people were talking about with Dragonblooded, well, fuck you. They have the sun's backing, his personal stamp of approval on it. Yeah, it's a nice I way mean, to validate them. Yeah, uh, sure, but I, I, it, it cuts out things like uh, maybe gods that aren't on the sun's nice list. Which Ooh. exist. Black market exigence, dirty bomb exigence. I know, but you have to do, get a little bit complicated. It, again, it's a moderate complaint yeah. I, I find that i would have done it differently it's it's fine yeah I, I like it because constraints breed creativity so being like you know think of uh Hanthaw, the leech god the, the the villain of rathus it's like what if he had an exigent and i hate the idea of um filial wisdom being an exigent that's stupid but what if he got another one right it's like well how the fuck did he get this where did he he's a leech god he was a traitor god who joined the primordial side where did this come from and it's like oh well another god had an exigent and he like worked with other people maybe he has a sidereal or another god in yushan on his side and they went to the black market and they traded things and there's this paper trail it adds so much more if they're uh if they have to come from an officiating source and and you kind of steal them and file off the serial number it, it adds this complexity to every exigent even even if they're an NPC or a villain, you're like, where the fuck did the, the dirty bomb come from? Who sold nuclear materials? <laughs> As opposed to, you know, Hanthaw sits in his lair in Rathis and like smashes his head against the wall over and over until he births out an exigent shard and rams it into some guy. 
It, it just it just stops the idea of God sitting in their lair, making their own exalts whenever they want, or like a solar convincing a hundred gods to all rip off their own arms to make their own army of exalts. Like it 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 puts out these little preemptive fires that don't immediately come to mind until you really start thinking how would you game this. I suppose I would have, again, it's something I would have done differently. It's just, I would have said it costs a lot of energy. And as they said, almost all the time, it kills the God involved with it. Mm -hmm. But again, uh, the first thing a horrible PC or a power hungry PC would do would befriend a bunch of gods in Yushan and convince them to do it. So he'd have a little army. Okay. I, I did not actually think of that. That's, that's a valid point. Like not even with mind control by like putting a gun to their family's heads and be like, do it. <laughs> do it. Maybe if you made a uh, a Cayman Rider, the Cayman Rider would save your family. <laughs> all right, all right. Oh no, I've locked your family behind this Power Ranger shaped door. Oh dear. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I forgot how terrible people can be sometimes. I just thought of that now. I had never considered it before. Right now, when I was like, "Why would the sun be a good idea? What would I do if gods could just spontaneously make exigence?" Like that was off the top of my head. Power Ranger shaped door, and then Batman Forever, Batman Returns, where the Riddler is going to hit the button to drop uh, them in a tank. Okay, okay, I can see, I can see that research, and you've convinced me. Fair enough. Right. Um, but exigents are fantastic. Um, yes. They make all of these fan exalts immediately applicable without having to create a bunch of lore for it because they have a framework of lore. There is a nice big scaffold that justifies your homebrew character in the game, and people who say no can go fuck themselves. Yes, and it really helps with creativity because a lot of ideas are just single ideas. Yeah. like A lot of what I've seen in homebrew is the forcing of all... The say trappings. You, yes. you. There's a gradient system. You start out making individual charms uh, or like an individual lore series, and then you kind of weave them all together. And before, you had to make this huge jump from just single charms, maybe a charm tree or two, to an entire exalt. There was no middle ground. You either had one or all. You couldn't have, say... You couldn't just have one cast. Yeah, you couldn't have one cast. Has to be Some five. ideas don't work for all casts, yeah. and, that's, and that's now valid. You can have the exigent of this one cast. Yeah, there you go. And that's, that's actually one of the issues I've run into memorials, uh, the one I'm trying to work on. I've considered making it a exigent yeah for that reason is that i've had troubles with some of the casts and with the 2e mentality it's you have to do it or else it's not exalted, done exalted fans love patterns so anytime yes. you're making a homebrew exalt type they have to have a patron because every exalt type has a patron of course and if they don't have a pay and if they have a patron there's got to be at least five of them they have to be thematically different because every exalt type has five casts even lunars in the past had five yes and I, they have to bring, have a magic material Five. What is the thing with three, five, and six? Exactly. Every exalt has them. And I'll tell you exactly why that is. It's the attributes and the abilities. Yep. Definitely. Because if your exalt in third in second edition, it had to be either attribute or ability based. There was no differentiating from that. Alchemicals and infernals started to break that mold. Oh man, it was crazy. It was it was like it was, God it was a, on a light bulb. I know it was like a, it was like the Renaissance. Yeah, but 
the reason that so many fan exults, they had to uh, be numbered in multiples of either three or five because that's what you did. And there's only so many combinations that make sense. And then you start just getting weird things that don't make any sense whatsoever. Could you ever think of an exult that would have four casts or two? Not in two, not in two edition. Yeah. Uh, what about an exult that has more than six, seven casts, eight casts? Well, then you're just being greedy. Like, you, know, what is it going to look like? That can't work. What are their attributes and abilities spread going to be like? What's the magical material they're going to bond with? Yeah. Which you is what making a new exult always did. You always had to make a new magical material. Yes. And it's just insane because it's such a barrier to entry in second edition that there's really only two and a half that made it. Yeah. And even then, uh, after you do all those jumping through hoops to, you know, make it look real, make it look like everything else looks like, then you got people being like, oh, well, why should we include this? Because, you know... It's not canon. It's never come up before. And Exalted 3rd Edition with Exigence and Evocations and there's one more thing, Martial Arts, all entered into this idea that homebrew is the default state for Exalted, which was yes, and very good. It's very good because it's actually always been that way, at least from what they said about the books. Oh, they yeah. always said, make your own charms. If you don't like it, change it. But it was too hard to. But yeah. now it's not. And like having a book, you know, and, and it said the Exigent book is going to be like, a, it's not going to be like a point by charm creation engine. It's going to be essays on how to, you know, kind of make it fit. Right. Uh, which is great. Brilliant. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I want that. I want it. I'm excited for the Exigent book if it Excellent. The Exigent book would be the best way for everyone to do those little um, conversions everyone talks about, like trying to do Fate's Day Night or trying to do uh, uh, fucking JoJo or trying to do Ruby, whatever is popular at the time that people want to convert to. Yeah. The Exigent will be great for that. And you can do it. Yeah. It's It'll be great. Oh, um, one thing, uh, just a little side track. One of the things that I'm so excited about Exigence is the return of mystery. Oh my god, right? Yeah, because in second edition, even if you were the best role player, you already knew everything about every exalt that existed. Mm-hmm. And you had to act surprised when the Infernal revealed her face or the Sidereal popped up at you. And it's like, oh, but do you know what the best way to roleplay being surprised is? Is to be surprised. Yes, I agree with that. So, I mean, we were fighting against the exigent of the Kaiju, which he was... We didn't know what we were getting into. He made beasts. Yeah. Even once you understood his nature, who he was as a person was unexpected because you don't really have a stereotype to fit it under. Right. You don't know if he's like this maniacal villain or if he's just... You don't know if he's 70 feet tall and made of iron and breathes nuclear fire. Yeah. You, it is literally an unknown and it changes the way you play, even if you are the best role player. Mm -hmm. And it really is amazing. And for the practical reasons, now your solar can disguise herself as an exigent if she needs to. Yes. The, the immaculate philosophy be making dragon blooded super hostile to these seven or eight other exalt types has always been a problem. That's always, if you've ever wanted to play anything in the realm that was not a drag dragon blooded, well, good luck. Yeah, fuck yourself. Yeah, now it's possible. It's hard, 
still very hard, but it's possible. Like we ran a realm game um, in Princess of the Universe. It was a it was a story that was in canon, and our, our friend had come up from Seattle, and the two two people played Dragon Blooded uh, from like uh, a great house. I think they were from uh, uh, Tepet. And one of them played an actual patrician from Tepet who was an exigent. And people knew she was an exigent. And you know what? Oh, they're the lesser exults is the dragon blood at- attitude. But they're still allowed to live. Yeah, it's like, they're other exults. They're not spiritually perfect. But hey, we hang out with them. Sometimes family ends up being them. Good for yeah. them. Good for same, them. Th- well, same with liminals. Liminals fit in fairly well. Like, the Immaculate Order hires mm. them up as ghost hunters and stuff to deal with not Blessed Isle problems, because the Immaculate Order is awfully good at dealing with Blessed Isle Shadowland problems. Yeah, I think liminals are probably not the best example. They, they seem like something that only happens in underhanded deals. Maybe. I, like, if I, like, just understand how the Realm and Lookshy works with their Immaculate Philosophy, I could definitely see them being like, yes, we hired out those ex- those exalts to deal with it. Yes, they 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 believe in the immaculate philosophy and spiritual purity and all that nice fascist stuff, and yes. they're they're fine. And it's like, yeah, they're fine, whatever. Okay, okay, yeah. Claymore yes. was the example for for liminals I really liked that someone had brought up. I'm not actually familiar with that one. Sorry. It's very good. Um, but they're they're literally what liminals are. They're monster hunters full of weird body parts that are inhuman if they fight too much. Right. And they have like an entire hunter organization devoted to having them go and hunt out monsters. Which is exactly what liminals do. They deal with Shadowland problems and things running amok. It's fantastic. Yeah. The guild fucking loves them. The guild oh, the guild loves them. Shit. I know that. What's the best way to get goods from one point to the other? Go through the Shadowlands. Hire a liminal. It's the fastest way. What's a great way to have a loyal mercenary? Someone you pay in more than money. Pay them in body parts. Something that you can't just, you know, go out and find. Yeah. Liminals get more power from, you know, better quality limbs and shit. And uh, what was the other one? Gatimians? Yeah, we don't care about Gatimians. But Exigents! <laughs> I care about Gatimians. They but... have the same sidereal problems, but they, they're but they big brothers to the sidereals now. They can hang out together. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, basically the, the Exigents have, and the, the evocation system has brought a new renaissance to Exalted and fan creation tools. Oh, one I'm that shall never excited. end. Like, mm-hmm. literally, you know, anything you want to do. You want to do Power Rangers? Exigent. Pass onable. Morpher. Uh, just like in Power Rangers, where you can't have a mor- you can't be a ranger forever. Eventually it wears off. Eventually, yeah, you have to pass on the Morpher to someone who's worthy. Boom, done. Yeah. Uh, they have their so own Morse Strider. It's bound in the Morpher, and you can summon it up and stuff. <laughs> Look at that. That took me... Maybe. <laughs> took you two seconds. Yeah. You know, there's a froze. There's a god in a frozen Yasso crystal somewhere out in like the west or whatever, and a bunch of teenagers find it, and they get morphers from him, and they go deal with a fey witch or a lunar witch on the edge of the world. Oh man, Rita Repulsa is the greatest character. Yeah, ever. Rita Repulsa, lunar witch, and her husband, some sort of infernal king. Oh, definitely. Boom, and done. let's not mention the robot king. <laughs> the <laughs> robot king. <laughs> it's it's an internal joke from the congenials. Fascinating little stories you can tell. Yeah. All right. So, oh, yes. um, I guess that so, explains kind of where homebrew kind of comes from in Exalted, and um, how why we're so excited. Yeah, I am. Like I, I don't use third edition, but I'm excited to see you know all this new stuff coming from Exalted. Whenever Exalted produces a new book, even if I don't use Exalted third, I benefit. Like you know, yeah. the lore is on point. Uh, you know, new ideas, new new things to try out. Even if yes. I don't use Exalted for Exalted, I could still use the system for something. The, the setting writers are usually pretty good. Oh, yeah. They're, they've been on point. Third, the, the third edition core was great. Yeah, I'm excited for the call. I'm trying to see how they... It feels like they might be... 
we might actually get lunars this time. Yeah, right? Uh, maybe. So I don't want to get too hopeful on that. All right. Where so do we want to start? Um, well, why don't we just start with the terrifying Argent Wist, Argent Witches, which Terrifi I've been oh. I've been classifying as kind of a half homebrew of Fan Exalt because they're not completely homebrew. Uh, I mean, they're all homebrew, but they're a replacement for an existing one. They're an alternate version of Lunars. So basically, yes. if you've listened to the Lunars episode, you know that Lunars, lunars suck and stuff. And people don't really have yeah. fun with them because they're a big pile of garbage. So what terrifying Arden witches were, were an idea to make them seem interesting and give them their own unique flavor. And then a fellow named Revlid uh, picked up the project and expanded it to be good because the original version of it was a little loosey-goosey. Uh, as first drafts tend to be. Yeah. Yeah, but it's... It's very unique and it's very good. I personally, it didn't resonate with me personally, but I can certainly look at it and say, oh man, this is fantastic. This will appeal to a lot of people. So tell us then about the Terrifying Ardent Witches. How are they different from Stock Lunars? Well, I think the, the name should give you the clue there. They're terrifying and they're witches. They aren't people who just run off to the edges of the world. Uh, they all of their charms and all of their lore is about biking, biting back and hunting those that hunt them. Like the, they have a typical sized uh, introduction mm -hmm. about everything that they've been into. Like they, they even added a war where the lunars, you know, just didn't go to the edges of reality. They went and they attacked heaven itself, breached the gates killed a good portion of the gods and the siderials that threw them out they it, basically the big difference is that the terrifying arrogant witches acted whereas the, the canon lunars did not they either reacted or did nothing of consequence yes yes uh, i think the biggest thing is if you look at their characterizations of the three example lunars uh it's Mahasuchi, uh, Rakshi, and Leviathan. Leviathan's pretty, uh, pretty standard. He's but he was probably the best of the original canons anyway. Hmm. Mahasuchi, on the other hand, is completely different. I don't know how much you know about Mahasuchi. I know a fair amount about all three. Okay, good. You might actually. Be I know that he's more. Beast from Beauty and the Beast. That's his shtick. Yes, in Canon Exalted, Mahasuchi is kind of this gentle heart who's turned and spurned away and becomes the beast at the edges of reality. He was also a sex knight. Shing! Uh, yeah, that's completely thrown away. With, I love uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> Mahasuchi, in the terrifying Argent Witches, is called the wolf at the door. He is still a charisma-based lunar. He will still come up to all of those young lunars that come up to him, make them wonderful promises about them, seduce them, throw them pretty parties, and then he'll throw, he'll take you, whisper lies about how great you are, and throw you at the realm, and watch as you kill yourself on the doorsteps, and he just sits there and laughs. Because he's pretty much... I like the last uh, sentence here. He is the last civilized man in the world. 
It's actually a fairly shocking thing to be said about him. That's great. Yeah. The last civilized man in the world. The last yeah. court dandy, and he will rip you apart. He will rip you apart with words, and you will love it. And that's what's so terrifying about him. I think he's probably the best example because in second edition, oh my goodness, that he was the worst. Oh my in God. second edition, <laughs> he is an abused puppy who goes out into the wild, gets ugly from mutations, and then sits in his citadel and sweeps. And that's his entire actions. And his citadel is like... Um... It's, it's there to remind him how ugly It's like a palace is. and it has a stripper pole still. He still fights with it. It's, he's, in canon, he's an abused stripper, basically. It's great. It's so awful. It's so awful. Like, uh, even first edition, I hear is better. I actually haven't seen that particular one, but. It's a, bad, it's a good thing to go by. First edition is usually superior. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, him and the other Lunars, um, what kind of example of, what, where, where do you think they differ greatly? Like, they're more proactive, terrifying. Definitely more creatures. proactive. Um, the thing I didn't like about them is that, uh, solars had a problem of being uh, sorry, the Ken and Lunars had a problem of being silver solars, that they basically were yeah. weak solars. I feel a little bit that terrifying Argent Witches tended to do a lot more shock for shock's sake. Like, mm. they're called, mute. there's things like mutilation charms, I'm looking right here. It's, it's not it's not you destroy somebody or you attack them you mutilate them you have to rip at them and that's i think the uh the pendulum swung a bit too far to be shock and horror for the lunars in the terrifying argent witches well yeah that's kind of a hallmark of second edition though yeah but it's definitely better than canon um so the the main difference is that they are definitely more proactive they're they're much more primal it's not just oh i summon the 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 spirit of the owl to tell me things. It's like, no, I rip it out of the secrets and I go into the, it's a divine from its guts and stuff like a witch. Yeah. Like that. It's, yeah, that's cool. That's fine. That makes them yeah. a little more Macbethy, a little more. Ah. Yeah. It's definitely much more Macbeth. In my opinion, it goes a little bit too far, but it's better than not going far at all. Okay. You can tone it down yourself. Yeah. All right. All right. So it gives a nice reflavoring to lunars that is much needed. Uh, power-wise, yeah. what are their powers kind of like? Like you know, being able to mutilate, being able to like divine with organs, being able to figure stuff out from animals. Um, do they do anything interesting with say shape shifting, which is something people care about a lot? Yes, but it's been a long time since I've actually looked at. As I said, this was not my favorite of the three. Let's see. The shape shifting is. I know they had a special power with shapeshifting. So yeah, uh, shapeshifting. Let's talk about shape that. Maybe. All right. So shapeshifting in second edition was weird at its best and useless at its worst. It's shapeshifting was put into these knacks explicitly so Eclipse Solars could not take shapeshifting. Ah, uh, yes. And you had to have a knack if you wanted to grow large. And it was just, it was all kind of, it was kind of messy, to be honest. And you, as a soul, a lunar would often dump XP into shapeshifting and not get much out of it. Or dump nothing into it and get everything. So it was kind of unbalanced. Uh, terrifying Argent Witches really did a huge change in shapeshifting. 
instead of having NACs to say like, oh, I can't go any smaller than this, what they have is a point by system for mutations. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Wait, the witches did or the lunars did? The witches. Oh, that completely changes my reaction because I'm trying to <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of that in the way of how NAX worked, where you bought these little upgrades. I'm like, they had point by and upgrades. No, 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 no. I'm sorry for a moment there. I I just I didn't hear that right. Yeah, no, they have. You basically, uh, you have shape shifting, and it gives you a certain amount of mutation points, and. If you didn't use any mutation points, you just changed your shape to visually look like something else. But this would have been on the fly rearrange? Yeah. <laughs> but every time you shapeshift, you can on the fly rearrange your mutations. You could be like, use all of your points for the huge mutation, or you get like horns and uh, horns that mechanically did something. You could probably have some aesthetic horns if you didn't buy them. Oh, but it was a lot more balanced and a lot more on the fly. Than just picking up whatever monster uh, stat block they put into the books? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, which was always... That's a D&D &D problem that should not be existing in Exalted. Yes. How do you fuck that up? Yeah. I, mean, I can understand why, but it, it's a lot more... The shape-shifting is now a lot... Uh, with it is a lot more core and a lot... Uh adaptable as lunars should be mm -hmm. they also have some uh, interesting sorcery charms where you can swap uh necromancy and sorcery and shuffle it up around if you master them both because lunars were actually supposed to be the best battle sorcerers which was oh a lie. that that sounds like a thing yeah <laughs> i think it was floated that because lunars are adaptable they're therefore the most the best battle sorcerers, but it never came to buy it pass. That's never so mechanically. Well, it was mechanically reflect. Never they're, mechanically they're adaptable, so they get to be the best at magic fights. Mm, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, generally, most of the charms are, they're not just, oh, I take this is, I take this solar charm and it's animal spirit. I use instead. It's actually weird and odd and an entirely different exalt. Mm -hmm. And honestly, if you are playing a lunar, you should probably look to the terrifying Ar witches for inspiration. Maybe yeah. tone down a bit the the blood and gore and madness charms. When uh when I'm fully done the the godbound exalted conversion like for for all the points we want to hit I'm actually gonna go and probably see if I can't uh, do an alternate lunar call for, uh, based off of Taw. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, that's my that's pretty much my stuff about uh, lunars uh, the terrifying argent witches. It's a very solid thing. I'm very impressed by it. Yeah, same here. Like, I, I would recommend that for any second edition game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Terrifying Art Winches really does overhaul a lot of the concepts of Lunars and makes them very distinct from whatever. And hoping we're hoping Exalted Third makes Lunars into a, a splat where that doesn't need Terrifying Art Winches. I suspect that e even if they can't admit it, they're going to take a lot of inspiration from Terrifying Art, which is... I think there was a direct quote from Holden Mean, like, I'm never going to read it, and I'm not. I'm, a, I'm specifically not going to read it because fans keep asking me, and it's like, you fucking read it. I, I, no, I think they have to do that for... 
Um, Maybe, but uh, if you listen IP to some, uh, if you listen to some comments on the something awful from some of the other like writers and stuff, they've actually spent entire conversations talking about it. Yeah, and he said the exact same thing about nocturnals, which we'll talk about a long time in the future. Yeah, well, I mean, later this episode, long time. <laughs> All right. So uh, yeah, that's terrifying ardent witches. Uh, Revlid did the version that I like the most. So look up Revlid's terrifying ardent witches, or you know whatever. If you Google it, it'll probably bring you to the right one. Yeah. Uh, what is next on our list? The next on the list is the smaller one. It's called The Master of Industrial Elements uh, by Kyle Doolin and Philippe Senier. Sen- I, I can't pronounce names. Hmm. You've probably... People haven't heard of this one too much. Yeah, I, I got a, I've heard of it just a bit, just surface knowledge. Yeah. It's it's smaller in scope and it's not as well fleshed out as the uh, the terrifying argument witches at least in mechanics but the lore is a bit bigger and more interesting I well kind of it's its own thing so basically what happened is that during one of their campaigns after the alchemicals and all that excitement came out. Uh, people wanted to start doing some campaigns in Autocathon itself with not, without going to creation. And they're just like, well, it's cities against cities. Let's make it not that way. Mm-hmm. So they came up with the Masters of Industrial Elements. So to go back in lore, um, Autocathon goes out before he... The, the origin of Autocathonia is that Autocathon scoops up tens of thousands of people to pray to him while he's out in the void and elsewhere uh, so he, and sleeping off. And the people coalesce into the eight nations, and it, there you go, have the alchemicals. But there's a big uh, gap there that uh, they saw here, and it's that, well, these people have been abducted. Some of them might not appreciate that. So they came up with this idea of the, quote, Ninth Nation, which is honestly, even in its own lore, not really a nation, but a gathering of independent tribes that are just these people who have vowed to not to be old grouchy men and not uh, conform to the eight, uh, eight cities. They call themselves the Taken, and they see their entire life here as hell, and that they have to battle each and every day against the elements of Autocathon's body, and so they just snap and steal and do whatever they can to the body just out of rage and trying to survive. Kind of raidery. Yeah, they're all raiders, all the tribes all the, are mostly independent, but they all are united in basically hating the place that they live in. And the interesting thing is to make it an exalted, uh, the, the, uh, when the alchemicals were made, the divine ministers were supposed to bring the uh, alchemical technology to the, the mortals. Yeah. The creating the demiurges and such. Yeah. And in this lore, they were said, yes, even the Ninth Nation too. And so the Divine Ministers begrudgingly gave it to the Ninth Nation. But these uh, the Taken were like, what? what? What is this? This is a trick. And so they took that gift and just kind of 
completely smashed and obliterated it and took it apart and put it back together. And, you know, Autocathon being so, um, shall we say, he's not concerned about his own well-being as much as he should be. Right. It was like, oh, oh, hey, that's kind of cool. What you doing there? Hey, hey, buds, what's that you're doing with my thing? What? That's kind of new. Sure, I'll help you a little bit as they're destroying his his toys. <laughs> so as he's lulling off to sleep, he kind of peeks over and is like, oh, that's kind of cool, even if it's destructive. Sure. And so you've got these Domini, which they basically took the uh, technology and turned it on the elements of Autocathon's body and basically turned themselves into adepts. They take an elemental of Autocathon and mm-hmm. fuse it with their own body and become a sort of hybrid. All right, so this is leading into kind of having an elemental exalt. It, yeah, it's kind of an elemental exalt, but gives a reason for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, it. they're supposed to be almost on the brink between mortal and exalted, so they're pretty much a elemental, god-blooded, playable character race. Uh, type which is kind of would be an interesting exigent i think yeah i can see that yeah. being based off of the uh, autochthonian elements yeah so it's it's a little quirky it's a little weird it might offend some people's lore sensibilities but it's cool and I, I i thought it was interesting and i thought to give it a little spotlight since it's not heard of very much so what uh sort of stories do these characters introduce to autochthonian games uh first off you have people who aren't you have repositories of knowledge and of uh, lost things on the edges of uh, of their societies because a lot of just from being so even though the eight nations are very different in thought mm-hmm. they still have the same religion they still have the same they're very similar they just disagree on certain things these are completely opposite and it's interesting to have kind of an antagonist that will make you question it if you're playing an alchemical or on the other side a domini looking at the alchemical society it, it can give you an antagonist it can give you a clash of cultures without even opening the gates to creation actually yeah that's probably pretty that's that's probably a very uh, prescient point it, it gives you instead of just being alchemical champions and mortal heroes fighting the different nations thing it actually gives you sort of a, a extra supernatural threat to contend with before you go into creation. Right. And also, if you're playing on the on the Domini side, the Stone Bearers is what these guys are called, um, they're a little bit less powerful, so you've got the Rage Against the Machine storyline, where you think you've grown up, grown up in a culture that you are surviving by the hair on your teeth, and everything is out to get you because it kind of is. And so you're only alive by your own ingenuity, ingenuity and you're protecting your family your tribe it's a very smaller compared to a lot of the alchemical champion of the state storylines yeah like alchemicals are very much a modern superhero story yeah mixed in with red sun of course of course yeah and the these stone bearers are a basically if you think that Autocathonia is Soviet Russia, as it's commonly compared to. These are the the people who are 
treaded down by the perfect society and rebel against it. Mm-hmm. And it gives it gives resources to people who do that. And it gives reasons other than uh, oh, you just don't conform. No, they, they have support and they have activities that can uh, that can support them when uh, it, for villains against the uh, alchemical game. Sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought there. All right. Um, I guess. What are their charms like? What are their powers like? How are they kind of uh, have their own spin on things? Uh, I'll be honest. I think the charms are a little bit where it's weak. It's mostly just this thing is happens because it's elementally elementally that way. Like uh, the adamant is clarified thought. If you go like that, it's it's pretty standard, but it's solid. <laughs> Uh, all right so yeah it's not too much to talk about on the charm side it's it it, it works it would be do they have anything um from a supernatural aspect that are interesting like any sort of hook or trick that people might be attracted to well oh so i told you that the uh that you have to steal um elements you have to basically capture an element Mm -hmm. that locks you into a certain element if you want to go and get anything from another charm tree you actually have to go out and uh, to level up an essence, you have to get another one. You have to go for every essence increase. You actually have to steal another elemental of Octathon. So it's a very proactive method of essence progression. Um, Ash markers, illusion. No, I'm not seeing anything off the top of my head that would be a hook mechanically. It's, yeah. All right. Um, in that case, I think that's all to be said about the industrials. What are the next ones on the list? The next ones are the most famous. Uh, the Nocturnals. Right, yes. I have actually taken a look at that PDF recently, and yes. it is shockingly polished well yes thank you i came in after the nocturnals were here and i was so excited by them that i actually did kind of act as a main editor to try to get it from a word pdf to a published book keep in mind i didn't do anything on the word sides just the nice background and compiling it the uh two people were very nice to actually lend us uh lended me some fonts and yeah let's let's talk about all of that uh what do you mean what do you want to start at um yeah like like the whole inception of it like you know where where the idea came from building up the the actual pdf looks like it would be a second edition pdf and like you know how how the 2e crew actually gave you art assets and fonts and stuff (laughs) all of that's um, well i i can't i don't think i can actually say they did that or it may have come from a different source or may have been from stolen from sources of open books okay fair enough yeah i officially cannot say where i got some of this art assets actually all right uh okay so what what is the idea behind nocturnals before we get into like what they are in universe like like people got together and made this splat what was kind of the thesis the thesis for it is starts in the sidereal book actually 
In Sidereal Book, there's this terrible, terrible paragraph that they had put in. It's called the missing incarnate. Or wait, no, uh, let me pull it up for the proper wording. Um, just one second. Okay, it's called the Forbidden Incarna. It's a plot hook, basically. Mm -hmm. It goes through it's three paragraphs, long paragraphs, that just says, hey, did you know that the five maidens had a brother and that they had sex with him and then, then brained him and stuffed him into the loom of fate? It oh, was kind I of awful. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, the, this, this extra incarnate might be the power source for the loom of fate. Yeah, it is all sorts of awful. First off, for some reason, I don't even know why they have sex with him. But it's it's because there in the book. <laughs> Yay. Anyway, from that garbage came the Nocturnals. Because I don't know what happened, but the creator by Reminiscent Oasis basically looking at that and like, wait, there's an Incarna that isn't taken? Sure, I'm all over that. So he comes up and writes this, what is it? 200-page book about, from this three-paragraph terrible set, uh, set, setup. And it's wonderful. It's the most complete. It should have been included as a proper uh, exalt type. Oh, geez, I don't even know where to start talking about this. From the beginning, I guess. The beginning. Well, as I said, I came in pretty late to everything. I didn't actually know about Exalted until about Return of the Scarlet Empress. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Even then, I knew it was bad, that particular book. Mm -hmm. But uh, Nocturnals are basically the flip side of Sidereals is somewhat of their setup. Um, where a sidereal seeks to set law and order upon the world and their own life, nocturnals set to cloud things up, to mess things up, mm -hmm. to, to be the, the harlequin, the, the, the prankster almost, but a, in an intelligent way. They look at things and say, oh, hey, so everything is terrible and everything is awful. What happens if it's you let people do their own thing? What happens if I, uh, if I muddy the fates here so that people aren't being pulled like puppet strings? Wonder things will happen. They're the probability exalts. Uh, a lot of their charms and a lot of their abilities depend on dice rolls. Like, if you have this particular dice roll, you'll get this effect. And they can have, like, uh, willpower to uh, shift it in their favor. Okay. Basically, they're the improbability exalt. The more unlikely something is, the more often that it's in their favor. They're also cool. temporal shenanigans. It's the, the, the exalt's a paradox. Paradox exalts. That's a kind of a cool pitch. Yeah. They, they literally, that's 
that's kind of their curse and their blessing is that they get to use paradox. Whatever they do incurs paradox and they have to kind of vent that paradox away, sort of like alchemicals do with clarity. And they can do cool things with them or sometimes it backfires. It's all about dice and chance and free will and uh, duplicitous sometimes. Um, yes. Like, so in the what's written up for the Nocturnals, they are actually imprisoned. We'll talk a, a bit about that later. Mm-hmm. But the way that they get out is they free themselves from the future, maybe, kind of. They basically take out a temporal loan on being free, and in that quantum unstability, slip out of the prisons so that they can actually free themselves. So it's like, all right, you get to be freed now, but you better figure out how to free yourself soon. Or else you'll get paradox. And that's a lot of their charms, actually, though. (laughs) <laughs> One of the most hilarious uh, survival charms is that they super duper promise fate that they will eat a hamburger next Wednesday. <laughs> totally real, guys. <laughs> and it feeds them today if they promise to eat tomorrow. Oh, they have great things like they can uh, literally punch people the next week. It's called Calendar Cracking Pugglegeist. It's amazing. Yes. Um. So... Yes. What kind of role do they fill in an Exalted game? Like, what groups would they be played in? What uh, what kind of uh, make- makeup would you use them for? They are the counterpoint to Sidereals, as Gatimian will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they're sort of... An- they antagonize Sidereals, but also work with them. The... Uh, for example, Nocturnals have this ability called Fluctuations, which are basically... The, their counterpoint to astrology. Nocturnals would fluctuate reality to a setup that uh, basically an alternate, they pull an alternate reality in for a tiny amount of time. But everything that a nocturnal do, it does is planned to be short. That ar- that alternate reality, I'm having difficulty speaking there. That alternate reality that they pull in will disappear and everything will be reset by the end. So if they are paired with a sidereal, a sidereal will take that altered reality and make it real. The sidereal makes things stable. They stabilize things. So you can have great dynamics of working together with these lonely exalts or being antagonists. They can access heaven. They can talk to gods. They're not restricted by any sort of um, like the the eclipse cells and stuff like that. There's the gods have no reason to really fear them more than any other type of powerful being. T- type of celestial exalt. Yeah. Which is to say, never go to sleep without being afraid. Yeah. The the nocturnals actually have an affinity for the forbidden gods, which are gods that are oh. not exactly well liked with uh, heaven. Like, like our old buddy Han Thaw. Yes. Yes. And five days darkness. They. They get along well with the underworld, the celestial underworld is what I would say. Hmm. And they've got access to all of these artifacts that are hidden in the ceiling of creation. 
and all this forbidden knowledge that was left over from the primordial war that uh, because some gods did side with the primordials in yep. the primordial war so they've got access to all of that sort of thing there's a yeah so all right uh you know what here's something i didn't ask for the other ones uh what's their magical material their magic materials adamant which is ah. a little bit odd uh, considering that they're the ones of chance and adamant's usually the one of stability, but they are the exalt of paradox after all. And that actually has leads us to an interesting thing. Did you know that at one point there was some back end to try to get uh, uh, Reminiscent Oasis as a writer for Exalted or something to that effect, or maybe his writing's canon? Really? Tell me more. Well, one of the writers, this is a product of the rumor mill, so take what you will, but some of the writers took a keen liking to some of the stuff he was putting out. And frankly, there's, it's for good reason. And so particularly the writer of the alchemicals wanted to make, uh, to backdoor the nocturnals into existence. So there's kind of a throwaway line regarding the advent cast about how they're not paired with anything or are they? Oh, I remember reading that actually. Yeah. Because, all of the casts and alchemicals are paired with a uh, particular magical material. And when they're with their buddy, buddy exalted in creation, they kind of have resonance. Yeah. They synchronize except the adamant cast, which don't have anybody there. Yeah. Uh, they, they say the same thing for uh soul steel too. Yes. They kind of like, Oh, did, did Autocathon know about the abyssals before they were actually abyssals or what Question was the mark? soul steel? Uh, and now in the future, we know it was liminals, but right. still, uh, yeah. that makes, I, I would say that's probably uh, a true rumor because the alchemicals book specifically had a lot of fan content in it. Uh, Jukashi from Keychain of creation. Some of yeah. his, uh, there, there are references to him in the alchemicals book. Oh yeah. In the index somewhere. Yeah. But it, it was pretty close to being written in, but some drama happened or something or legal rights or whatever. And he couldn't bring them in. Yeah, uh, that's usually what happens, but I would believe it. Uh, that's where this current set of devs came from. Like, Holden is famous for being the martial art homebrew guy before he became an, ex- an exalted dev. Yeah. You know, that's that's just that's just the history of it. They find someone from the, the community and bring them on in. Yeah, and I'm kind of sad that Nocturnals or their idea didn't get in. Uh, I assume that Gatimians will be the official, unofficial copy of nocturnals in third edition though they every time that even comes up they completely deny it though i yeah we have no idea what to expect because no idea so because there's such a famous amount of little information coming out yeah so let's see um i do want to bring up a few even though i love nocturnals there are a few things that did not go well about it okay um, one of them is their great curse. So, oh right, great curses. I yeah, almost forgotten. Yeah, the great curse is a thing that just—it seems like you have to have it, but nobody actually seems to like it. I don't know. If uh, if it's ever done in a way that isn't irritating, that's fine. Like I like the great curse in third edition; it's much easier to manage. But it's like, uh, whatever. It's tied to the social system. Yeah. Um. So, to talk about the nocturnals great curse we'll have to talk a bit about nox himself nox himself being the god of paradox in the primordial war was loyal to both sides 
he was loyal to both the primordials and the gods. And that just doesn't work out too well. You can't have a double agent like that. And that's where we get into the whole, the maidens basically say, hey, you have to choose a side or the other. It's like, I, I can, I'm the god of paradox. I, I can't choose sides. That's literally against my abilities. I'm like, no, you have to. And so they broke him and now he's mad because he's forced to choose a side. Like literally insane. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he's got these nocturnals that are sitting here with questionable loyalty. So their great curse is the curse of subservience. It's basically a Gaius on them, which is a terrible idea. Wow. Terrible, terrible, terrible idea. Like mountain folk. Yeah. Basically, when a celestial exalt orders a nocturnal to do something, they have to do exactly what's said to them or else they'll gain limit, or else they have to figure out a way out of it. They have to, basically, it was written to be a, almost a genie's bottle or a monkey's paw. Anytime you try to order a nocturnal to get, to do something, they would be, try to wiggle out of it because they're the, they're the ones of paradox there. They don't want to be controlled, even if what you're telling them to do is reasonable. But that might work for an NPC, but that's terrible for a player character. So... Whenever I've talked to anybody to play with the Nocturnals, I always just tell them, just use Paradox. Just use their Great Curse as Paradox. They don't have Great Curse. The Paradox is enough. They have to vent it. They have to deal with it. They have to manage it. And if they don't, it backfires on them. So that that's good enough Paradox for me. And you can just ignore how they were locked away from the Primordial War for being potential double agents. The other thing I did not like, um, dev standpoint, the sense, uh, sense Oasis knew this was never going to be printed out and never a physical copy. He didn't feel any particular reason to limit himself to a word count or a charm count. So it's a little wordy and a little, yeah. That happens with all the fan material. It kind of goes on a bit. Yeah. And it's kind of the charm trees are a bit, bit bloated and they're not, they're not edited properly. They're just, they're a little bit too, uh, they get into too specific of abilities sometimes that are, can't be used except for once in a while, but it's no worse than anything that came out of second edition. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a lot better than say Lunar's. <laughs> it's definitely a playable and fantastic fun and their fluctuation system is hilariously great it's yeah, like what astrology like a nice little been. mix up like a, yeah. like a little uh change of pace yeah it's their special ability like sideals have astrology so the lunars have shape-shifting yeah and he even wrote up an entire setting the 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 firmament the ceiling of creation Ah, huh. it's an entire book. Uh, it could be its own thing. It's could be its own setting that the you go up into the ceiling of creation. That's got all of these forbidden uh, technologies and forbidden gods and god blooded. Yeah, and you know, Fey are trying to crawl into the ceiling, and they get lost in a maze. And there's the the stars hang from the ceiling as towers. 
that are connected to the loom of fate and you if you try to crawl up one you could probably like nudge it around a bit if you wanted cool you can directly interact with fate uh biggest problem with the firmament is that it's not really detailed how you get there which is kind of important for I mean, the, the ceiling you just fly right up you, you jump really hard jump hard you throw the five and it'll strike at it yeah tied but to a rope <laughs> yeah and gravity reverses itself right there so you oh you the walk on the ceiling okay yeah you, you when you're on the firmament you're looking up and there's creation on the well you just you just gotta jump really hard you gotta tie a bunch of birds together well if you, it's a dome sitting on a plat flame plat flame flat plane so if you go out far enough into, into the wild you can literally maybe jump up two feet what find the edge like the truman show yeah there you go totally <laughs> and oh man nocturnals so fun just got so many special abilities they've got like uh one of their things was comet their comet c- class cast was about hitting hard and hitting fast but they burn themselves selves out so fast oh yeah awesome yes uh, is there anything else? I don't think so. Um, are there any other ones you want to bring up? Oh, well, we could talk about mine, I suppose. Yeah, it's like memorials. Yeah, memorials. Oh, yes. This is what I wanted to plan. I wanted to kind of talk about them from a design perspective, see what the pitfalls and the things that I've struggled with. So first off, for all that second edition uh, crap I had to deal with, with they have to have five casts, they have to have a magical material, and they have to be somewhere for this entire history. Just all of that started overwhelming uh, me when I was trying to write these guys and just became so slogged down and trying to put out too many fires at once that it crushed kind of the development time on this thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, all right. So I think uh, for people looking to get into fan maids, you have to realize that your first idea is probably not what you'll end up with, and that's completely fine. If you find a seed, go with it. Go f- follow it where it goes. It's pretty obvious that I love nocturnals. So I got into my head. There's 100 sidereals. There's 100 uh, nocturnals. If there's any parody, there should be 300 of things. Where's that last 100? Mm-hmm. We've got the, we've got a potential future. We've got a defined future. What if there was a sidereal of the past? And that's kind of where the genesis of the memorials came in. And it's like, oh, and start working with that. Oh, let's uh, let's incorporate the outer planets, uh, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, uh, Ceres, the asteroid belt, that sort of thing. Let's incorporate that sort of uh, thematics into it. And oh, look, they'd be they're the the sidereals of the past and the and of memories. There'll be the memorials, and they'll be uh, all about reincarnation. That's broken, isn't it? These gods will be dead. They'll be dead. That's where they've been. And you just keep working on it like that. And eventually you get to, I think, a workable idea. And it comes from a, it comes from a spawn. Okay. Um, where else is I going with this? 
do you have anything? To- yeah. Um, so with memorials, they actually parallel some things that we would later find out about exigence in that they pass on their exaltation. Yes, yes, yes. So as in, sometimes problems lead to interesting solutions. So here's the problem. The gods are dead. How, how do you pass on your exaltation? Why don't we do it from exalt to exalt? And this is where the idea of direct reincarnation came from for for, for minor for minor minorial. <laughs> Minorials. Minorials. It's, it, it's next to Christmas time, so now I'm imagining just Hanukkah themed exigence. <laughs> so <clears throat> from memorial to memorial. And it becomes this great continuity where it changes the entire theme in the setup that this is uh, an exalted about culture, about how the past, you're sitting on the shoulders of giants and that everything that you do just adds to that continual progression of history and um, what you do now will be built in the future and what you rely on has been in the past. It's about continuity and about uh, legends, about stories. So that's uh, what they've evolved into. They've uh, become a very society exalt mm-hmm. which kind of mirrors along well with dragon blood which also led me to say hey why don't they kind of play well with dragon blood because that's lacking that's something that doesn't happen yeah yeah um, so and all of these disparate ideas can kind of bubble up and you toss away some of the bad ones like i try to do a lich part where that like uh and Exalt would give his exaltation to somebody and then take it back. It's like, mm, my life force. And that was just a bad idea, so I tossed it. Don't be afraid to toss bad ideas, yeah. after all. And um, right now, since with uh, third edition coming around, I've, I've been reworking them from the ground up. I've ditched the idea that they have to have five casts. They now have four, which is the sacred number for death and uh, reincarnation. So Ceres, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. I had uh, Charon in there for a while, but he just didn't do anything. He was just a he was just a chosen of Journeys clone, basically, and I couldn't get him to be his own thing. Um, but the, the attitude with Third Edition is that you can step on other people's toes now. So I can I can I have more wiggle room. Uh, there's a little bit of liminals in there. There's a little bit of uh, siderials in there. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only one I would add in, like the only exalt type after memorials I was going to talk about were, um, shit, what were they called? The Gaians. The Gaians. Oh, yes. There's. I've always heard about people trying to do the Gaians, but it never. Um, so the Gaian exalts um, are kind of unique in that they're a continuation of Dragon Blooded. The idea is is that you become really good at being a dragon blood, and then you get like uh, you get a bunch of raw jade of all the different colors, and you uh, smelt it down. I guess you snort it, and then or you you smelt it down and make what's called an emerald quote unquote artifact, an artifact made of a super dragon blooded material, the material of Gaia emerald, yeah. and uh, then you attune to it and it, like resonates with your chakras and it makes you into a super dragon blooded that's part Gaia instead of uh, descended from the elemental dragons which are her children which are aspects of her yeah so it's like you 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 jump up the ladder from elemental dragons straight to Gaia and become one of her like titanic exalts 
Yeah, so I, I imagine that's that was basically somebody's way from for having terrestrials as a celestial exalt. Yeah, right? some fucking shit like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, that sounds I'm, like what it was. But it was interesting. Like the the, the lore isn't half bad. Hmm. Uh, the idea of being able to like open up a secret chakra only the terrestrials have is it's you know kind of nice to have a exalt that uh, is exalted from their own actions. Yeah, basically, it was enough of gonzo-y weird shit that you hadn't seen in the other exalt types to be like, oh, yeah, you know, it kind of justifies itself by being weird. Yeah. And the fact that they have to, it costs, like, you have to have a bunch of all five jades in equal amounts, and then an equal, and then that entire pile of five uh, equal to yellow jade, the jade no one likes to talk about because they fucked up the colors from first to second edition. And <laughs> you, then you're supposed to, like, fucking crush that all down into like a single you know um emerald uh, talent so you have emerald artifacts that you can build for yourself to help you resonate your chakras and shit that's interesting and weird and i like it uh, yeah oh. it's just so strange you know whatever it's something that you can't really replicate in a third edition because there isn't really anything for that exigents don't cover that <laughs> yeah but i imagine that the exigent rule set will cover it Oh yeah, will help cover it. So I'm excited to see if somebody will try to do that in real real life. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of mine. So out of all these exalt types, how would they be better represented in third edition as exigents? Like, how could they be kind of cleaned up and stuff? So ardent, which is obviously you don't do anything with, because we well, I specifically chose these guys because they uh, these three and my own because they don't exactly need yeah. to be exigents, and that's why they s- survived. Mine will, we'll see if they survive or not. I I might toss them. Yeah, um, ardent witches, obviously, uh, right there on the. If lunars are done properly, you don't really need uh, them, and if they're not, excellent alternate version that you could rebuild with the uh, lunars book coming out, and you know, just the kind of idea of how to write your own charms and shit. Yeah, if they are done well, they'll probably be like expansion charms for lunars. Honestly an alternate set that they can, uh, an alternate path that they can go down. It might even be its own little exigent where it's the witch in the woods. Take some themes from that. Mm-hmm. But It'll be definitely be scrapped for its own. Yeah. Um, industrials seems like that'd be something that... I could see that as like a one-off uh, Yeah, it's so exigent. Sp- it's so specific, you know, an exalt type based on... Autochthonia, which might be changing drastically and like things are going back and forth. So that might not really be a thing that transfers over. It could still be its own thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, stone, uh, the Masters of Industrial Elements are mostly, they're kind of only there if you keep Autochthonia closed. Otherwise, yeah. they don't really do too much. But it's kind of interesting. It's a, it's a good place where an exigent fills. It's a good spot that an exigent will definitely fill. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nocturnals seem to be almost superseded by Gatimians, but you could still, I I could still see a, uh, like an exigent being made by, you know, Naruo or some of the weirder, more esoteric gods up there being coining an exigent to do its own thing. So the idea of like comets or, uh, singularity types doing their own thing could, could very well exist. Yeah. Um, I had plans in, when I was more involved in mainline exalted to update nocturnals to third edition once the Gatimians came out and we could hash them out and they would out of focus more on kind of making them the uh, this is very nerdy but i was going to make them the more quantum physics uh exalted 
That's not. cool. Maybe whereas maybe. sidereals are all about um, Newtonian physics. Everything's predictable. Everything will follow its path. Everything about the nocturnals would be it's a probability, basically. That could be a thing. Maybe in 2021, when the Gatimian and the Exchim book is out, you could uh, take a look at if that. We're, if we're lucky. I'm being I'm being fair. 2021, four years, you know, to get to get maybe six more splats out. That'll happen. Jeez. <laughs> well, Gatimians aren't even planned out yet. They're not even supposed to be out until like after the abyssals. What what do we got? We got Dragonblooded next, then Exigence, then I think Lunars is coming out. Then they'd have to do Sidereals, and if they're gonna do Sidereals and they do Gatimians as like an add-on splat or just in the serial book, then that's about five books down the line. So, if well, they, they do... want to do a year of darkness where they put out uh, abyssals and luminals at the same year. Oh shit! So that's oh shit. Luminals are coming out before uh, lunars. Luminals are coming out fairly quick because they're like they're a common splat. There's something that you can just find everywhere. So, yeah, if they can do more than seven splats in a year or in a in four years, you, we'll see it by 2020, 2021. Now, tell me, what's been their track record for books a year? Well, it's almost four years on the Exalted Third Kickstarter, and the core book still isn't out yet. So I'm pretty sure 2020 would be the uh, would be a safe bet to have seven more books come out. Well, yeah. seven more books on top of Different Skies, The Realm, Towers of the Mighty, the Artifact book, uh, Arms of the Chosen, and then what other individual books you want to come out with that. So 11 books in four years, they can pull that off. Sure, sure. <laughs> The, the the length between second edition and third edition killed the memorials oh for a long time uh the length between second and third oh, wait never mind i was just stating a the fact. end of second and third yeah because they announced third edition four years ago and by that time i had half of the memorials written up and i'm like well screw this i don't want to write uh i don't want to write mechanics for 2.5 i'll just wait and waited and waited. <laughs> You're like Captain Star and your crew of the Boiling Hell waiting for orders for mission control. Yeah, because I don't like doing mechanics. I'm not like, particularly good at it. I may not even be good at lore, but... <sighs> I always I always thought if we're going to talk about memorials, a, a wild niche for them uh, would be if they were cultural heroes for all the different realms. I thought about that. That's that is an interesting idea, but it's not exactly what I had planned for them. That might be an exigent in its own right, but like, well, like think uh, of it this way: the because you had the different cast, and you had reincarnation, right? What if right? What if Leth, like, which is for people? What if there was a Leth for cultures that just isn't around anymore since the war? This idea that cultures themselves die, uh, go into reincarnation, and then come back as new cultures, and because of all the shit that's going on. Uh, it's not happening anymore. That's why you get these big, giant, angry, rotting empires. So you'd have all these. You, you'd have a cast for each realm. So you'd have creation, the underworld, Yushan, Malpheus, Autochthonia, and let's say the wild. So six casts, and and each cast kind of pulls from their own uh, their 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 home dimension to be able to kind of use the cult like use charms that are based on the cultures of those dimensions like you could get a lot from the Yozis of Malpheus and the different like bio structures that exist there but they can also branch out into other things and branching out lets them get like easy access between the two like they can bridge the two really easily well the problem with that is that we already have the exalted of cultures we have the alchemicals we have the infernals mm. basically the memorials would become they would become the jack of all trades that 
is not interesting to anybody because they would become the prismatic shards of creation, that boring sidereal martial arts that I can't make heads or tails of. I think that martial art was all about allowing you to combine multiple martial arts. It was basically like a... What's the word I'm looking for? It was like a meta card from a TCG. Yeah, and it's just kind of interesting, but it's... I don't think it works. I don't think it works because we've already... it would. We've already got the cultures in well, an exalt. Well, not really. They're not cultures. Like infernals aren't culturally from Malpheus. Oh, but they're they just, are. They're, they're, they're the rock stars of hell. They're heroes of Malpheus, but they spend a lot of their time doing their own shit. They don't give a damn about Malpheus. Same with Autochthonia. The the Autochthonians are all about the 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 people they're defending and keeping the Great Maker's body alive. But this kind of it's like a weird sidereal idea where you take a step back and you influence like the meta or the narrative of those worlds. So maybe you could make a martial arts out of that. That could be a thing. So like, think of it this way, uh, a memorial, that's a memorial of Autochthony and its culture. His charms would be based around like he, his charms would be based heavily around, um, like teamwork and survival, like the survival <laughs> trees and like working with other people, uh, motivation. Maybe that would be where a lot of the craft stuff comes from. Or the, the, the sort of ability to interact with gods from faith-based stuff. Whereas, like, the hero from Malpheus might be based around, like, laws, sorcery, being able to understand complex principles that don't exist anymore, doing weird, you know, extra-dimensional shit. And, like, the hero from Creation would be like, I'm kind of the, I'm kind of the, the wild card here, guys. Creation cultures are all <laughs> about, you go from stick to sword to flame wand. No, the creation culture would focus on mortals, Mortals in creation, they'd, be, they'd all be about craft. Maybe. I mean, I know that's what you would think Autochthon would be, but... Mortal hmm. cultures are usually innovation, mm -hmm. like aqueducts, or uh, or just inventing how banks work. Love. You know, the guild. Yeah. I don't know. Love bureaucracy. It's a thought. It doesn't really hold up because everything fits everywhere else, but whatever. Well, you can all overlap. Yeah. It's just that, ah, oh, crap. You're allowed really... overlap now. It's third edition. Right. The field is wide open of overlapping and exalts that trip over each other. It's just like, ah, oh, interacting with spirits is probably Malpheus or Autochthonia or Yushan because Yushan's the spirit place. It's like, eh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> we got to preserve cultures or let them make them pass on. I'm just imagining this exalt walking into a city like Sijan, you know, the city of the dead and like helping that culture move on because it's way too old and the whole city crumbles <laughs> to dust and everyone there is left naked being like, what the fuck? Well, that was we were living movie. there. It's like, We were go. living here in our somewhat death. And you're like, go now, form a new culture, a culture of rebirth. It's like, can we have our clothes back? No, asshole. They're what? symbols of a decayed setup. It's like, can we have some money? And you're like, here's some silver, the money of creation. <laughs> Man. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. The no, I have a lot of ideas about memorials. I have kind of tripped over myself there. Yeah. There's probably a plan that can be done. Um, but yeah, that about covers the fan-made exalts. So from the top, terrifying ardent witches. Widgets. 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 Terrifying Ardent Witches, which was uh, the the good copies done by Revlid. Search that up. Um, the Industrials, which are kind of like a rebellion exalt that exists in uh, the Great Maker's body, and they're elemental aspected. Um, 
shit, what was the one afterwards? The Nocturnals, Nocturnals, which, if you look at the PDF for Nocturnals, looks on point. Like, it is, if it didn't have, like, a bunch of fan stuff on the cover, it would be hard to tell the difference between it and a second edition supplement. Like, even the art is the right mix of pretty good and just <laughs> shitty enough to be second edition art. That's not a slight against the artist. That's more of a slight against second edition's art. Yeah. If you want it, <laughs> I always have a copy of it. I, I have all of the art, all of the assets, all of the artwork, the original artworks. It, the... it has character. It really does. Like, I, like I looked it's at a it. forum made. Yeah, thing. but that doesn't mean anything. It has character. Like when I looked at it, I'm like, this is second edition. This this fits. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we talked briefly about the memorials and the Gaians. Yes. Uh, and yeah, those were the fan exults we talked about today. Anything mm. else you want to add? Just that, I mean, this is one of the best things about the third edition, and Definitely. we don't we don't get to say this often, but good job, devs. Mm-hmm. This is definitely the the high point, like the high water mark uh, on Exalted is is the 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 accessibility that we're being promised, and sort of starting to see with with how evocations work, but the accessibility to homebrew that's being promised that that will bring the community together. That'll make sure that the forums are always buzzing with people bringing up new ideas and inventing new stuff and wanting feedback and trading uh, mechanical tidbits with each other, like exigence and evocations and martial arts and all this homebrew accessibility artifacts really pulls the community together it really does Uh, just think about minecraft yeah on its own it's not particularly that interesting a game but if you add in all the mods supports for it it's lasted 10 years now made one guy a billionaire yeah and a lot of it has to do with the mods and the uh, the fan made stuff. Yeah, give people a toolkit and and make it a an intuitive and a fun toolkit, and they'll run with it. Mm-hmm. I think right now Exalted uh, Third Edition is one of the like it is a crunch heavy system. It is fucking complicated. <sighs> yeah. But that it, with the promise of it being accessible to make your own shit just off the fly without having to like go through a point by grid or having to wait for extra supplement books for extra prestige classes to come out. That's really enticing for a game this complicated. Yeah, and. It's pers- it's, it allows you to personalize it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah, just being out there and available to be personalized. It being like a, like a standard that the game's going to be you know, held to. That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, I've been Devin, and, and this... we've had... <laughs> Sorry, and this has been Sam. And this is sponsored by Nobody, signing off. Our future depends powerfully on how well we understand this cosmos in which we float like a float of dust in the morning sky. sky, sky, sky.